Hello and welcome to the Knowledge Isle College podcast. This is your host, Patrick Butler. And today I got an awesome episode to share with you. I just had a conversation with my good friend. His name's Trace Rukarian. Trace uh, works with me at Sungrade Solar and we share a lot of the same interests when it comes to new technology, futurism. Uh, we talk about a lot of fun stuff regarding cryptocurrencies. We talk about the simulation. We talk about the singularity, stuff like that. So if you're into that genre, I think you will really love this episode. So please, without further delay, enjoy this episode with Trace Rukarian. Trace, thank you so much for joining us today. It's an honor to have you on the show. Appreciate it, Pat. I'm excited, man. Cool. So, I mean, uh, first off, just so people can get a little bit of a better idea about you, could you tell them a little bit about your background, maybe where you're from, what you're doing now? Totally. So, uh, well, first thing, I'm uh, going against the title of the podcast. Uh, I have a college degree, somewhat, unfortunately. Oh, gets me into trouble this. around here sometimes. Sorry, um, guys. <laughs> but uh no i'm originally from uh gainesville florida go gators um i've uh had a pretty normal childhood and uh yeah moved out to the university of new mexico albuquerque for college uh did a bunch of freelance design creative work had a couple startups raised some money for things like that and then eventually uh, moved out to california to join sungrade solar um i moved to la two days ago so that's uh that's the whole story in a nutshell we're happy to have you here. I'm happy to be here. Tell them about the interesting stuff. You know, your interest in crypto and what 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 are sort of your uh, and what you do for SunGrade right now. Sure. Do you want to start with crypto or do you want to start with what I do for SunGrade? Let's hit the SunGrade and then we'll go to the crypto. Um, what I do for SunGrade. So I do a lot for SunGrade. Uh, I regularly say I have the most fun job at SunGrade. I, I truly believe that. It's also I think maybe sometimes the most frustrating. Um, I do, I do a lot of things. Uh, my title is brand manager. So I kind of, I kind of was like a one man show for all, all things digital. So like I designed the website, did an entire rebrand for us. Um, and now a lot of what I do is just building out like the digital processes. So in charge of, uh, inside sales is a big thing. So digital mm -hmm. lead generation, Facebook advertising, uh, building our guy Zane Jan into millennial Gary V. Uh, yeah, all, th all things like that. It's a lot of fun. It's a lot of different things. It's uh, yeah. hard to nail down what I do every day. And did you learn that stuff in college or outside college? <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's for so. All right. So I went to film school for a couple years and, um, I'd say the one thread that I can point to from like young to, to, you know, teenage to college to what I'm doing now. Um, it's like the one thread I've been doing it, but it's all storytelling driven. Mm -hmm. Um, so 
yeah, I mean, film school gave me like some structure around like uh, writing. That was like my big focus in in school. So I, I learned how to s- tell stories in a really like effective way, um, and then I that has had some effect in what I do here because I kind of look at everything, whether it's the journey of a customer mm-hmm. or you know the beginning, middle, end of a, a video we're trying to put out. Like you know, you need a hook, you need a thesis, um, and then you need a resolution and a climax to, to bring it all home. Um, you know, there, there's aspects of that and kind of everything I do. I'm with you. Who, who's your favorite storyteller? Uh, love the Coen brothers. Um, and Wes Anderson is, uh, probably my, my number one though. Um, I just like, he turns, he turns movies into like story books. Um, mm. what are some and, of his movies? Uh, Darjeeling Unlimited or limited rather is probably my my favorite fantastic mr fox i grew up on that book and it's incredible um moonrise kingdom is like a classic oh, okay. one yeah uh, royal tenenbaums mm-hmm. uh there's there's so many i'll have to check them out yeah you've okay. never seen a wes anderson movie uh dude i haven't seen any of those movies you just listed right there oh wow yeah, my guy, my guy Ed Norton is in like all of them. Yeah, which who doesn't love Ed? You Norton? know that by itself. No, I, yeah, right. Beautiful. What uh? So one thing that I go to you for on a regular basis is is information about cryptocurrencies and what's going on in that space. Mm-hmm. And I'm curious, when did you first hear about that kind of stuff? That yeah. Technology? Uh. Uh, how I so how I found out about crypto is pretty funny. I was uh, my dad was watching Fox Business Channel. I was watching John Stossel. He used to have a show mm-hmm. on there, and uh, they were doing like a technology episode. It's like the end of 2012. I was a senior in high school, um, and they had a uh, one of like the, the consultants or whatever on the show talking about this new decentralized, unregulated digital currency. And at that time. Like, I'm pretty, like, libertarian-leaning, but at that mm-hmm. time, I was, like, very. So, I was, like, I heard unregulated, decentralized, like, uncontrolled, and I was, like, what? What is this thing? Um, yeah, so I spent, like, literally that night, like, I, I think I didn't sleep, and I just learned, like, everything. And, like, I got in with, like, this whole idea of decentralized, and, like, that, that like, was the hook, but then... I started reading about blockchain technology and I was like instantly kind of smitten. Mm-hmm. Um, and I started like, I knew very quickly that I was like, Oh, Bitcoin is just the first use case of something that could be really transcendent. And I was mm-hmm. like, uh, yeah, I like looked at it and I was like, Oh, I think this might be like the internet of like my generation. So I put like, I put a little money in, put a hundred bucks in. Um, it was like December 27th, maybe t- 2012. And it doubled in like a week i was like oh shit um i might have something here so i cleared out my bank account which is funny because i only had 500 bucks in my bank account um i wish i was a little bit better at sales and had a little bit more conviction back in the day because like i would definitely be rich now had i like actually been like yo i need 10 grand yeah um but i have 500 bucks and uh yeah so it was a 600 initial investment and uh yeah, I tried to day trade. I never got excellent at day trading, but I, you know, I hold like I hit the Litecoin trend, Ethereum on the come up. Like basically, I was there for it all, which is super cool. Like it was just Bitcoin. So where, where do you get it. your information about it? 
uh, Google. I mean, at that, I mean, at that point it was like Reddit and like the Bitcoin talk forums. Mm -hmm. Now it's a little bit more stable. You got like, uh, you know, every there's CoinDesk and Cointel, you know, there's all of these different outlets and stuff, but yeah, no, it was like, I was just like on the Bitcoin talk forums and like Reddit Mm -hmm. boards, uh, like just doing deep dives. Um, and that was super cool because projects were so small. So like I remember when uh uh Litecoin's founder is uh, escaping me, but I remember when like he put the white paper out for Litecoin. Mm-hmm. Uh like super weird to see it from there because it was like I remember when Bitcoin went to like two hundred bucks and I was like, Oh my god. Yeah. And now it's at thirty five hundred. I'm like, oh I should have cashed out at nineteen. <laughs> like uh so it's it's funny how, how things go, but um yeah, no, it uh helped pay for college. So, you know, I'll give you that at least. You know, if you paid for some college with some crypto, yeah, I would go to school if I was paying for it in crypto. I really wish I didn't. It was uh, <laughs> um, what is it? Gary V didn't invest in Uber. He would have like a quarter bill if he would have. Is that what it was? Or is Airbnb? Something like that. Um, no, it definitely was Uber. Uh, that's kind of like my. That's my Gary V like hell <laughs> is I I dropped like fifty Bitcoin on on college so had I not gone gone to college like I don't know what I would be doing but it'd be different I no no regrets though it's it's a fun uh it's okay fun if you got side. some regrets it's yeah okay. yeah you're right no it's good, <laughs> no, it's good. I, I think you know as much as this is the knowledge about college podcast I've clarified a few times it's it's a uh, you know it's not that I have anything against learning. Right. Or networking, right? which is like what you should get out of school. It's just totally. that system that they funnel you through in high school and your entire life leading up to college. It's like, hey, you know, like everything is focused around when you get to college. When you get to college, you're totally. going to get to a good school. You're not going to have a good life. Right. And, and then that's when you decide what you're going to do. And that's when you decide what you're going to learn. And all yeah, stuff. like as if, you know, our, our world is that simple, yeah. you know, that you're just going to pick a career out of school and magically have all the information at your fingertips. That sit you in your box, sit in your row, yeah. listen to the teacher, wait in line. And then they yeah. present to you those loan documents. Yeah, you know, right. That yeah, yeah. Turn out you can't, yeah. you know, get out of it even if you declare bankruptcy. <laughs> yeah, right. That's my problem <laughs> yeah. in college, you know, it's sort of developed. Into, uh, <laughs> You know, yeah, t- totally. To a, to a, you know, it's a grudge now, but mm-hmm. it's okay. You know, it's good for that stuff. So, uh, right before we're about to begin here, you're telling me about uh, what was it, New York Times article? Yeah, <laughs> man. Uh, yeah, it's a New York Times article that is the antithesis of like the headline, there? like all of what we like. Yeah, it's called "Why Are Young People Pretending to Love Work." And it is by how old is the is the author of that article? Dude, she's a millennial. She's like young. I think uh, she's probably like twenty six. She's, she's like in a denial. she's like a New York Times tech writer, and uh, I'm not gonna put her on, her name on blast. Um, she lives in San Francisco. She's like the San Francisco like tech tech writer, mm. and uh, yeah, the the tagline is I saw the greatest minds of my generation lock eighteen hour days and then boast about hashtag hustle on Instagram. When did performative workaholism? become a lifestyle and then it goes in and it's basically like it's like an indictment of uh like she talks about like 237 like gary v's outlet mm-hmm. um or is, did i just botch that name probably um I'm not even sure. like yeah and it's just like this she can all right she compares like what we do 
to, to office space. Mm-hmm. She's like, you know, back in the day, like she like talks about like the nineties, like or back in the day is like this heyday. Um, but it's like, we're not living office space cubicle life. Like she's comparing it's apples and oranges. It's mm-hmm. like, you know, she looks like the, we work, like do what you love. And it's like, it's grim and exploitative, but it's like, yeah, but we get to like do fun things. We get to build things. It's like work. We have jobs where work doesn't feel like work. Like it's obviously work yeah, yeah. and we're grinding, but like there's a goal. Like if you're just a cog, like in a machine, like, yeah, that makes sense. Like mm-hmm. if you're working for like some giant, like if you're working for like AT&T customer service and you're like, you know, hustle, hustle. hard, love Mondays, <laughs> like, like, yeah, okay. Like that's absurd, but you know, yeah, it's like this whole idea that like you can't care about what you do. And it's like, if you're a talented person that wants to grind and put in the work to like, you know, get out what you put in, it's like, it's like a negative thing. I don't know. It's weird. It's like, she talks, I don't know. There's like, you know, it's like toxic. It's like, isn't kind of talk. Oh, deeper meaning in life or by having a fulfilling career. God forbid. Yeah. Right. And it's like, toxic. I don't know. And, yeah, I don't know. And it's like, especially now with like, it's not like retirement is like guaranteed and like high paying jobs are like guaranteed. Like you kind of have to, like when you're 20 is, like when you're mm-hmm. in your 20s, like like you kind of, this is the time. This is the time. You have the most like, energy. You have the most energy. You, you have the you least have responsibilities. Yeah. You got to like, be investing your time and energy right now. I think of it like if you look at, you know, you only have a, a certain amount of time in life. You only have a certain amount of energy to spend. Right. You know what I mean? You have your money flow. Right. And there's only so many things you can sort of leverage to build totally. on those things. You know, like, and if you're not investing your time right now, if you're just sitting around, then it's going to be very unpleasant when you're 60 years old. You don't want to work. And then you realize that that, you know, uh, 401k, you might have a couple hundred grand saved in there, but that's not going to last you 40 years. Right, right. To retire off of. <laughs> right. And I think that that's probably, it, I'd say that's got to be one of the uh, harshest realities for millennials to face is that you're going to have to pay for your own retirement. Right, right, yeah. Um, no, it's funny, and we get, uh, we get that rap that we're like the entitled generation, but we... Coming from the generation like, that what built Social Security, right, right, yeah, yeah, exactly. It's like we're entitled, but like, yeah, we're not gonna have a paid for retirement or pensions or like you got to make it yourself. Yeah. Um, and there's like way more competition and like just way more, you know, access for like everyone. Like the the competition's never been fiercer. So mm-hmm. like you got yeah you got to kind of you know, do it. And also the other thing of it is like, if you work hard now, you can also do more fun stuff now. Well, yeah, Um, you're completely, you can actually be completely nomadic. If you have the right kind of job or the right kind of skills, totally. You don't have to, uh, show up to a particular place because previously most jobs would require, you know, especially if it was like retail based or you're like a craftsman or something, Mm -hmm. you're servicing an area or you're servicing a location. Whereas now with the kind of work that we can do, if you got a laptop, your phone, and some internet, you're golden. You can do, you can do. Yeah, man. Uh, totally. I spent a lot of time outside of. I was in the Bay Area all yeah, last you, year. You do way I'm, more nomadic. I, yeah. I'm a, I'm a big, I'm a big work from anywhere lifestyle. I haven't been focusing too much on the personal brand yet, but uh, we're gonna get there. I, I was tracing the Bay when I lived in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. 
I just changed it to Trace in LA. Uh, Knowledge about college podcast. Hearing it first, 2020, changing it to Globe Trace. Globe Trace. Globe Trace. We're going. We're going globe trotting. Wow. Yeah, we'll be everywhere. So. See it's, that? You know. You gotta be systematic with it, man. I'm I'm with you to an extent. Yeah, you're you're a block, Pat. I like <laughs> you like Burbank, Tender Greens. Dude, I like my I like my routine. You, you like to? Like, I, mean? yeah, I want to run up the mountain. Dude, if I go somewhere once else, a week. I, I was thinking about what you said uh, when we were talking yesterday. You're like, oh, you got to mix it up here and there. And yesterday, I had two meals that I I don't normally eat. Right. And by the end of the day, I was like, terrible. Trace is so wrong about this. Because it's like, yes, I could mix it up, but I want to I want to know what the baseline is. You know, so if you eat the same stuff every day, have the same routine every day, you can really identify when you're feeling off, what made you feel off. You know what I mean? You can you can constantly be performing at your highest level. Right. You're like A B testing your every aspect of your life. I get the whole lifestyle design thing. I'm also I don't know, maybe partly it's I'm like scared of that, but like I like to kind of shock my body shock mm-hmm. my mind kind of shock myself i like to like keep myself on my toes i think that's good for your brain like you know when you go because yeah. i mean at a, it's like how you can't see your nose in front of your face because uh-huh. it's like so it's yeah, there it all the time it, out, it right. blends in or blends out whatever uh it's the same thing like with your environment after a while like you don't even pick up on what 98 percent of all the things around you because mm-hmm. it should be the same as it was the day before yeah so i'm totally with you like when i when you travel someplace new everything's brand new it's this whole new experience probably you know really good for your brain as far as like well, experiencing all that new I, stuff i look at it like i don't want to be thrown off if i'm thrown into new situations and i think like if you get so r- routine oriented at least to me it's like like, cause I, I like literally I want to work from anywhere. Like, right. Like I want mm-hmm. to travel and be able to be productive, whether I'm in Istanbul or Thailand mm-hmm. or, you know, where, wherever. Right. Um, right, so, so let me I, ask you this. Yeah. Continue, cause this is the part that throws me off is like, you know, you do the coffee shop nomad mm-hmm. lifestyle is how do you establish? Cause there's, there is some, uh, evidence as far as like, doing the same kind of task in the same location mm-hmm. helps you do that task consistently right. you know with quality right? right like if you were to take a te- if you were to study like all year long in like the same classroom if you took a test for that class in a different classroom you you'll likely get worse results right so how do you that, i mean that, that that's sure a, yeah I no mean, it's a whole like I, study I, in the environment you're going to take the test like yeah, yeah, right, yeah, right, right. Yeah, yeah. so how do you Mix it up, go to a different place every day with all different kinds of environment and still get yourself in the zone to do the high quality work that you got to do. It's a great question. Because um, that's where I can't. Yeah, because you're bringing in outliers. Like today I was in Santa Monica um, mm-hmm. and I had to go to three coffee shops to find an outlet, which <laughs> which is an outlier you don't have if you just go to an office, which I get. Um, so, yeah, I mean, obviously there's like outside stimuli and everything. I don't know, like... I mean, if you want, like, a consistent baseline, like, I'm, I'm probably constantly, like, listening to music, so I have headphones in. So, like, it's pretty easy for me to kind of drown out the mm-hmm. environment. And I don't know. A lot of the stuff that I do is, like, it's creative, even when I'm working on process stuff. Like, it's a lot mm-hmm. of, like, it's a lot of failing and, you know, succeeding and failing and succeeding. Like, I built and broke something 37 times yesterday, right? Mm-hmm. And I finally, like, got it figured out. And I, I think when you're, like, it's good to just, like, 
buried on the hatchet. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what the office allows. But like, like I don't know. I like like the I, cons- I like the chaos around me to kind of yeah. like get me to maybe think in a different way. Yeah, uh, get me out of like the one the one track mind because it like I don't know. I like, guess complex problem solving comes better to me when I'm like kind of got some other. I, I could see that working if you're. Uh... You're trying to innovate a solution. You have to use the creative part of your brain. Right. You know, being in different environments might unlock those sort of like different nudges or pushes in a direction that might, you know, whatever the environment could sum yeah. up a and different I, outcome. I, I'm really not going to like try to talk like the science of it or anything. I don't know. It, it works for me pretty well. Sometimes it doesn't. Mm-hmm. Like sometimes it like sometimes it like literally, yeah if you're looking for for outlets yeah it's places. like yeah no it's like not not ideal right? yeah, but maybe you know that builds the you know maybe that puts the pressure on yeah and you and do then finally sp- find that outlet you I spend an hour and a half of, in traffic had i just been in burbank today i'd have probably had a more productive day but like Man. you know yeah i, I had to drop off uh eric at lax so i wasn't about to drive back to burbank oh, I'm, I'm so sorry to hear that yeah you experienced lax I've spent a lot of time at LAX in the last couple weeks. I'm, you won't I'm, catch me dead there. Yeah. It's, uh, <laughs> oh, yeah, because you, like, you fly jet suite. No, okay. not even. I'll fly out of Burbank or Long Beach. You're crazy, guy, LAX. <laughs> and that was classic Eric first time, you know, moved, just recently moved to LA mistake. Dude, do you know what he did? So he had already booked that ticket to Miami. Oh, he had to fly. So he had to fly to San Francisco. <laughs> yeah, he had to, yeah, he had to fly up. He had to fly bank. from San Francisco. Oh, my um, God. For context, our, our friend just moved from San Francisco to L.A. just like myself, and uh, he had already booked a trip to Miami. So instead of just doing the smart move and booking LAX to Miami and just eating the cost, he booked a... Or even Burbank to... Just San, anything. SFO yeah. or whatever. You know, his, his flight got canceled, too. No way. Yeah, so he had to... He like I think he barely made it. Like, there's another flight. Wow. Anyways. Oh, wow. So what else, man? Dude, we go all day. So, back to I want to talk more about this uh, this work addiction thing. Sure. Because I find it, I think it's probably uh, I th- I see what I notice with people, young people, whether you're millennial or whatever, is that some people are running away from the work and some people are embracing it head on. Right. Like there are people that love that Gary V. Grant Cardone kind of style of like hustle i'm gonna do whatever it takes and they could even work at you know at&t and have that kind of attitude Mm -hmm. and then there are people that are completely against it and i'm starting to see that come out in uh you know sort of in you can sort of see a reflection of people's attitudes in in the politics of today where some people are, are leaning more uh towards more decentralization free market kind of stuff like that and other people are moving towards we need to take care of the people that you know, can't, right. can't take care of themselves and a lot more in like a, a socialist resurgence that we've never seen before. Mm-hmm. How do you feel about that kind of stuff? <laughs> That's a, that is a loaded question, man. Um, <laughs> we could break it down. I, I don't, I mean, honestly, I don't think there's a right answer to it. I think, uh, like, obviously like I'm predis- predisposed to like, I'm going to fall into it. I'm going to work. Like I, I'm uncomfortable relying on other people, I think. Yeah. So it's like I kind of have to do it myself, right? Um, but you know, there there's a few different things at play there because I, I think the all right. For instance, 
Like, you could have someone who works at a coffee shop part-time and is, like, a really talented artist, and they're not going to join the rat race, right? Mm -hmm. Like, they're happy, like, working at a coffee shop, like, doing art, and, like, they're not going to grind on Instagram, and their their goal is not to get 500,000 followers and, like, blow up. Like, they just want to, like, live in Venice Beach and, like, chill and, like, do... I think that's sweet. I think we live in a time where technology and as a society where we should be getting to a place where we can take care of people mm-hmm. i think maybe i think maybe the way both sides are thinking about it right now is like i don't know if either side has it right um because yeah, i I, I think the f- i think it's it's hard to force people to like take care of other people i think or that's like themselves or or yeah or the yeah so some people are, I notice, are not even willing to accept the fact that they, you know, like we mentioned earlier, they, they're going to have to pay for their own retirement, you know. And they probably don't even believe that that's right. actually. It's like an out-of-sight, out-of-mind thing. Yeah, they think they're going to get the Social Security that they've been in, investing right. in. So, uh, this might be, I don't know if we've talked about universal basic income, but this seems like a good. I was actually just about th- to ask this seems like a good. This seems that. like a good time to bring UBI up. I'm a huge universal basic income guy. All right. So um, before, so how much do you think if we were to enact that today, we would put it in, into place. You can ask how much me a dollar you, amount. Yeah. How much do you think people would need roughly? It can be, it can be a ballpark. I think, I mean, it depends on market, right? So like LA is going to be different than my hometown Gainesville. Mm, so you get um, different depending on the location. The, the location you're in. Um, you know, I think there's a few other variables. Uh on 20 like in LA 25 maybe here's here's the idea with UBI here's okay. the idea with UBI and here's why I like UBI um and this is why I think maybe socialists don't like UBI or, or whatever because it, universal basic income was actually first conceived of by a, a libertarian mm-hmm. like in the modern sense sure. right um and what I like about UBI because we have like we have all of these different so- safety nets right we have social mm-hmm. security we have Medicaid we have all these things and these are all, you know, systems that have been put in place over, you know, decades or millennial or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, my ideal version of UBI and, like, I think enacting it in America would be really, really difficult. But the reason it's libertarian is because it, it takes out all of the, like, patriarchal thoughts of the state. The idea is, look, every single adult gets this set amount of money. What you decide to do with that money is basically up to you, mm-hmm. right? So this is like the hardcore sense, but like, you know, if you want to spend that on healthcare and healthy food and education and whatever, like, good, that's that's perfect. If you're going to shoot it up your arm, you're going to shoot it up your arm, mm-hmm. right? And we probably have to, you know, you got to account for those people, but like the the point is like, I don't like the idea that on food stamps, like, you can't buy, like, certain types of things. And, like, there's all these things. Because it, it brings in a whole level of bureaucracy. Mm-hmm. And I got to think cost. Like, we have all these so- social sa- safety nets, and there's so many rules, and there's so many departments, and there's so many loopholes and how to get them and everything that's going on. I got to think, like, what, half of it's got to be wasted on just paying the government people to, like, implement. And, like, it's not actually going to the people in need. Mm-hmm. Whereas if it was just, like boom everybody gets 25k yeah and then you know and then there's things of like a 
when you make a, it's like a, you'd implement it almost as like a negative income tax. Like that's a popular way of like implementing it. Mm -hmm. It's basically if you make under 25K, you basically just get the, get the check over monthly or whatever. And then you get taxed on top if you make over that amount. Mm -hmm. There's a bunch of different theories of how to do it. And they're testing it. Yeah, I'm sure there's a lot of different ways to implement. And what I like about it is like, uh, uh, the richest countries in the world are starting to like, like we're the richest, but the highest standard of living countries are, are starting to to test it. Like Norway has got a test. I think Sweden, um, like a lot of those Nordic countries are, are testing out UBI. Um, and then like, what's really interesting is like Silicon Valley and like VCs are testing it. Like Y Combinator, Sam Altman is like, there's like multiple mm-hmm. uh, UBI tests. And, and what I like about it, what's cool about it to me is what they're trying to see is to go back to that that Venice Beach like artist idea like they're trying to see like okay if we meet these people's basic needs they can eat they can put a roof over their heads they don't have to worry about their basic needs like because that's like that's 95 percent of most people's existence they're living paycheck to paycheck right they're like yeah like how am I going to eat tomorrow if you take care of that stuff like what do people do do they found more businesses do they create art? Like, do they start actually contributing to society at a higher clip yeah. than if, like, fuck, I got to go work my retail job mm-hmm. 40 hours a week? But I have a feeling that anyone who wants to start a business is going to start a business whether they have money or not. Anyone that wants to be an artist would do it whether they can afford it or not because you got to really want it to be successful no matter what. If you want to be a successful artist, it's going to take – a hundred percent of your life, soul, energy to make that happen in the long run. And that won't change. Let me let me take it to like how about like gang related things. That's another thing that they're looking at. Is if like a lot of people that like sell drugs for a living, they're mm-hmm. not selling drugs because they like want to be on the corner and they want they, yeah. that's not why they're selling drugs and toting guns. It's not yep. why they're it's just like that's the environment they're in. Um well, I'd say that, and like, that's a, go ahead. Um, like, I think that's an interesting thing. It's like if you got kids to feed, like, the, the, there's only there's only a couple ways, right? Yeah. Well, um, I, and I, the way I would see that is that you know most of these people they're they're selling drugs because they don't have an opportunity to sell solar, sell yeah, <laughs> sell solar, sell sell a different product, have a legitimate or, or maybe let's just call it a legal business. Yeah. Uh, maybe one that's not on sort of the black market. And, and so it's a lack of education less so than, you know, a lack of opportunity. Because, I mean, right now, more jobs available than ever before. They're right. Aren't we in like a job deficit? Yeah, it's like, yeah like we need we actually need more people to smart work. immigrants to come in to, to, to right. work. <laughs> um, that's a, yeah, that's a really interesting problem. Yeah. I mean. Why, why is it though? Is it because like, are the jobs that aren't being filled like just like, I think shit they're, jobs? No, nah, I think they're high tech jobs. I think like uh, oh, we don't have enough skilled workers like engineers. Yeah, like I think we're like especially when it comes to uh, I think I read something about I don't have the numbers, but basically we don't have enough uh, software developers or coders, people that do that kind of 
advanced work. We don't have enough of them in the United States. Like right. it's just not going to pan out for us. Where we can't fill all the jobs. Yeah. Oh man. And then I wondered, you know, with the universal, so with universal basic income, if I made thirty thousand dollars, I wouldn't get the twenty five thousand dollars, or I would still get the thir- the twenty five thousand. You know what I mean? Like how did did... right? Um, so like I said, there's a bunch of different ways to like kind of yeah, chop yeah. it up, but okay. it would essentially be like so if you made thirty thousand dollars in like the marketplace, mm-hmm. effectively your income would then because you have twenty five. Yeah. In most models, it would be like fifty-five thousand dollars, and you'd be taxed yeah. on that fifty-five thousand mm-hmm. um, dollars. And like the base tax rate would probably go up mm-hmm. like a little bit. So that so like you, if whatever the tax rate for fifty-five thousand dollars is right now, mm-hmm. it would probably be a little bit higher with UBI. That makes sense. And now my other you know devil's advocate because I really don't know. You know, yeah. I, I think that UBI could probably be the future. You know, well, we're gonna automate. 90% yeah, of jobs. Because most people like, are gonna, you gotta, yeah. like, do wealth gap. Like, we think it's bad now, but think about when you, like, you literally need no one in the warehouse. You need no one to do well, just, complex I mean, anything. For, for That's all, you know, I feel like that's like a decade away. What's really close is the self driving cars. And the most, the number one job in the United States is a truck driver. Yeah, right. And if you don't need truck drivers anymore, what do you do? Even if. You, even if all those truck drivers, even if like, you know, one in four of them was able to stay on as like a fleet Ooh. manager or something, that's still hundreds of thousands of people right. that are going to lose their job. And those are like high really, paying, like good, yeah. like. They're supporting their family off that stuff. Like yeah. where, where, what are they going to do with their lives? How do they have skills that they can apply elsewhere if they've been driving their entire life or that's their primary skill? Right. So I could see a situation where they might need a universal basic income, but I'm, I, when it comes down to the, the reality of it, I feel like there's so many, you know, like it's with most government subsidized programs, the price goes up when they mm-hmm. subsidize it. So if everyone got $25,000 a year, I mean, is rent going to go up? You know, is, is food going like to be more expensive? Because people are like, Hey, I mean, you're not even paying this rent. You know, I might as well charge you the full 25 K of your universal basic income for your rent. Right. You know, probably need a uh, better Austrian uh, economist to come in here and explain the ins and outs of how that would happen. Yeah, I mean, I think it would in some places. I think it wouldn't in others. Um, You know, I, yeah, I don't actually know the answer to that. Yeah, yeah, I think it's hard. Of course, I think, you know, it's like anytime we print more money, like, inflation right you know yeah, the, the government, dollar doesn't go as far my yeah. my theory though i don't even know if it's really a theory but again if you dismantle i'm not necessarily even suggesting we do this but i think hypothetically like and we can get into simulation theory next but i would love to run like a full-scale intelligent simulation on like what different avenues would look like mm-hmm. i i Honestly, I think UBI and implementing it the right way in that sense in America will probably be impossible. But I think UBI in some way has to be the future. As you mentioned truck drivers. That's just the first to go. Yeah, there's going right? to be – technology is going to replace a lot of people's jobs, even even some complex work. You know, if, if AI gets unleashed, you're yeah. not going to need a lot of positions that people probably think that we need. Like even – Things, uh, hey Siri, develop me like a autonomous mobile app, whatever. Da, yeah. Da, da, da. Like, yeah, they'll be able to. 
there's um there's this amazing YouTube video out there that you got to check out. It's called "Humans Need Not Apply" by this guy. Uh, I think it's C G G C P Gray or okay. something. I've, I've heard that title before. Name. Yeah, those letters, but it's in some order. But you know, he talks about how even doctors and lawyers will will be replaced by technology, Definitely. like like a do, you know, because a a a computer could determine, you know, let's let's take the doctor example. A computer could determine what kind of medicine this patient needs based off of every single event of these, you know, symptoms. What prescription will work, and and how will the you know different uh, medications conflict with each other or work together? And, and it's just so much data that the average doctor cannot possibly mm-hmm. learn all that stuff and keep up to date on. That you know, it's like that's most of what a doctor does, right? Prescribe the right solution to, to you know the patient's ailment, right? And then for lawyers, it was like something like they most of the time that what lawyers spend is you know going through documents, and you know the computer can scan all these documents. Yeah, really apply quick. machine learning, pull out the yeah. fa- like what you need to do. Yeah. So to that point, we're kind of bringing up like the daunting nature of that, and like what's going to happen, but. The cool thing about technology, and it keeps happening, like I, you know, when the industrial revolution happened, I'm sure people were like, oh, what's going to happen to like farmers or like what's going to happen? Or like, you know, when the internet came, it was like, oh my God, it's going to dismantle all these jobs. And then of course it created a bunch of new opportunities. I, I'm hope I'm thinking that will happen. Like there's going to be. I really wonder. I, it's funny you mentioned that because I'm, I'm reading this book right now that was on bill gates recommended list for this year and it's called energy and civilization and history Viclav smill or something mm-hmm. and they one of the stats i read this morning was that in great britain in the uk in 1850 you know you think that's like the heyday of the industrial revolution yeah there were still more uh, a higher percentage of the population were farmers and regular tradesmen like blacksmiths so even though we think of that time as like oh everyone started working in the factory it was must have been obvious this industrial revolution like it happened overnight for hundreds of years people still lived the same way that they were living hundreds of years before and probably didn't realize how big of a deal Mm. steam power and and these new machines Mm -hmm. how big of a deal it was at that time so i'm really you know i think we're sort of more fortunate now that we can at least ask these questions and, and try and wonder what's going to happen. But So I guess the question is, is this fundamentally different? I think it, I think it probably is. Well, I think it is in the sense that, you know, at least people back then, they were switching from like an old way of doing work to a new way of doing work. Like it was, a, you know, they were used to doing muscular work and now they're doing machine work. But now, now, now what do you do? What do you do when people go from, you know, we've already phased out a lot of the muscular work and even a lot of the machine work humans don't do anymore. We're mostly doing knowledge work right. that requires our brain and complex thinking yeah, and stuff soft like that. skills. What happens when you don't even have to think anymore? Right. Then what do you do? <laughs> what are people going to do? They're just going to go crazy. I I don't know, man. I Humans have a way of, I think, keeping up. But What's everyone going to be an artist or something? Well, okay, so that's a really... Who was I talking to this about? Need to blast that. What do you got the jewel um, over there? Yeah, the jewel. We'll uh, talk about this. Bad habit. Billion dollar oh, enterprise. Um, wait, what were we just? What were we just talking about? What was the last thing I was gonna go? 
was going to go into. What are people going to do? They're going to be artists? Oh, yeah, artists. So I forget what I was talking about, but yeah, like to me, that's that's a really interesting idea that basically like, okay, we've automated all, literally all of the jobs because, you know, if you want something done, you literally just ask the computer and you do it in probably plain language right hey i need this think it but yeah right or the oh or they are they already yeah they already know you already know yeah um it's building things that you haven't even actually consciously conceived of but you knew you wanted it subconsciously it could get real crazy but yeah no yeah will be it's like maybe the only thing machines can't do is create like art like human powered art or or because art is subjective, maybe society rejects uh, as a whole, like rejects non-human powered art. So there's, mm-hmm. there still remains a market. Do you think you'd be that? able to distinguish? I'm sure there's a there's a well, program you, out there that uses Microsoft Paint or whatever. They're uh, they're testing they're testing uh, robot written scripts in Hollywood and stuff right now. Like they're yeah. Um, I've heard there's articles that come out right after a news event happens. They're published immediately oh, yeah. without anyone even writing them. Yeah, I've I looked into that type of software for our. Uh, I think I think NBC uses uses that. I was just like I don't know. I was looking at like you know media I wouldn't stuff. be surprised because especially for a media outlet they want to be the first ones right with the story you know get the clicks. Yeah. Um. No, it's like yeah. Because your software that will basically like analyze like it needs something to analyze so it'll analyze like a a, a clip right. It'll yeah. Analyze like video mm-hmm. and it'll pull out the highlights and then use like past whatever to like yeah to, to to pen an article uh you know to pull out the facts and like yeah it's no it's pretty it's pretty crazy um so bigger, bigger question here is this yeah. even the world that we want to live in <laughs> you know what i mean should we just hit pause right now just call it a day maybe maybe do some uh you know decentralized currency some stuff like that but should we just no you know man. how do you stop this thing no, once the gotta, cat's out of the bag what do you do i so here's the thing um, I can't have that line of thinking because it never works, right? That's true, yeah. People are going to do what is possible always, right? Mm-hmm. Or you get into, like, oppression, right? If you sure, let yeah. people be people, like, the, the hope is, like, we don't completely cataclysmically fuck it up, mm-hmm. right? And we do it well. Yeah. I have a thing. So... We haven't really talked singularity yet, but like singularity is like an interesting thing. Elon talks about this. Like, yeah, yeah. I think you're we're gonna have to merge. Like, here's how we don't get like you know Trampled. the you know the thing of like the the best case scenario that Elon says this like the best case scenario is like we end up as their pets. <laughs> like that's best case, right? Like because because a human like the, the capacity of a machine. Um, is exponential because that like that's the crazy thing. So once you de- once we develop like hyper intelligence mm-hmm. and machines that can create machines, and the machine will probably be built to optimize itself. So if you think about it's a runaway train, yeah, right? Because yeah. you build the machine and it's able to build another machine that's better than that machine, well, and that machine's better. Do it better than that, better than that, better yeah. than that, better than that, and. And it's going to happen so fast. Very quickly, you end up with this, I don't really know. Because one of the scary things about machine learning and, like, AI is, like, we don't know how it works. Yeah, we don't no know. No one knows what... how machine learns. It's a black box. Yeah, yeah. Did you hear about that Facebook 
they, Facebook was playing around with some AI technology. They had like two computers talking to each other. They started making their own language and they had to shut it off. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, I, I do remember that. Yeah, like, is that's, that not the scariest shit you've ever yeah, heard? Yeah, no, it's pretty. It's pretty thick. Yeah, I think we're going to have to merch. You got to merch. We have to merch. Well, I like the idea of like the neural lace. Yeah. You know, like you can, it increases your overall output. Like Elon uh, talks about how, you know, we're not going to be able to keep up just using our thumbs, you know, typing with our thumbs right, right. now. It's just not going to work. We got to right. be able to communicate just like with our brains. Oh, so you're ta- like, uh, is that telekinesis? Well, some sort of net, you know, like we're all connected to the internet right now. You got your phone in your hand, you get a call. You're you're basically a cyborg right now. Right. You know, we all are with our smartphones and our unlimited access to information and mm-hmm. communication in right. our pockets with these little magical devices. Mm-hmm. So essentially, it's just enhancing that same interface to be mental somehow. Just like embedded an- within you. Another layer on top of our brain that mm-hmm. gives us the power to, to interface with each other yeah okay. uh you don't want to be super nuts okay first of all if we ever do anything that's embedded that cannot be done by a single company that has to be done at open source like if there's a if there's an access point for that i'm dying to see who yeah it's gonna be like facebook let's throw something yeah in the and back it's gonna have to neck. work with like <laughs> quantum mechan- mechanics like i'm not i'm not getting a brain chip embedded until like we really figure that shit out. You think out it's gonna be like the iPhone Android brain chips? What is that? Just like you know. Oh, like, oh, like the Apple. You gotta like, choose your brand. Yeah, right. Oh, you don't want to end up with that Android like, uh, chip. Like, uh, your chip's laggy. Like, look at the. <laughs> this dude's going ten nanoseconds slower than me. What a loser! Yeah, upgrade your chip. <laughs> oh my god, that memory recording is only in twelve K. Like, step your game up, bro. Um. <laughs> uh. Yeah, I, I don't know, man. I, so the singularity, right? We're talking about the idea that our technology, the way it is now, is going to mm-hmm. get to the point where uh, reality is indistinguishable from. Or no, the singularity is when we merge with the machine. Singularity is when we, yeah. But uh, simulation is when it's the idea that we're living in a simulation right, right. now. Yeah. We're going to create a reality that's indistinguishable from our own. Someone's probably already done it before. Are we living in the base reality? Right. And someone, not to do keep think bringing up my guy Elon, but someone like Elon Musk would say that. I mean, he's a smart guy. The probability smart. is very, very low that we're in base reality. Um, I like kicking around simulation theory a lot. It's probably the closest. Do you think we're in a simulation? I'll say it's the closest I get to a, a ideology about our existence. Like, I... I don't subscribe to, like, any, like, standard religion, obviously, mm-hmm. and I'm not religious about simulation theory. I just, I kind of like that it's, like, mathematically probable. Yeah. Um, And the, yeah, the idea of we're going to do it. Like, we're going to, or we're going to be able to do it, and humans always do what we're able to do. You know, call me crazy, but I feel like we're definitely there. We're just... We're just in a simulation? I mean, I noticed that... With, with particular inputs, you get very – you usually get pretty consistent outputs, right? right? Like if you work out, eat healthy, you'll, you know, get look muscle, better, get be, be – stay, stay younger and feel better, right? right? Like it's like a pretty consistent I thing. haven't drank in three days. Three days? <laughs> oh, my <laughs> – somebody give this guy a round of applause. 
Three days. Oh, my God. Thank you. Thank you. That's congratulations, man, as you rip the jewel. Four. Four days. Four days, <laughs> four days actually. Um, but I don't know. You know what's funny about the simulation theory? Because there's another person, I like Scott Adams. I was telling you about him the other day. Scott Adams, creator of Dilbert. He, you know, talks about being, you know, like if we're in a simulation. And it's like whether you believe it or you don't, you're kind of right. You know what I mean? It's like if you choose to believe that we're in a simulation, right? Like uh, you can make certain decisions about your life believing that we're in a simulation. Right. And as long as you don't confront, you know, the objective truth, like you can't believe that you're not going to get killed by that truck, you know what I mean, in right. the middle of the street. But like as long as you don't confront those kinds of harsh realities, you know, it could work in your favor. Right. Well, yeah, because we're you're, we might be in a simulation, but there's like, there's there, yeah, there's, there's definitely rules stuff. of the simulation. Yeah, there's right? rules. So if you follow the rules, but you sort of program it, you can sort of do that. In your well, yeah, favor. it's just like, I mean, it's it's like Sims on a broader level. Like you pro, you just program the parameters. These are the physics of this simulation. Yeah. Like, I I feel like that's a really fun thing. Is like because physics, talk to like in terms of science like that's like the end all be all is like right like how matter and how we exist in the yeah how does it all yeah i like kicking around the idea that that's just like the parameters that they set for this simulation yeah and it's like this this one's carbon-based life and they just did like if carbon then (laughs) (laughs) like (laughs) then traces on the knowledge of college podcast yeah right right and it's like okay well let's try you know this is the base for all existence yeah i i don't know it's yeah it's fun yeah i don't think we're going to come to any conclusions about this stuff no no i don't don't open any questions i I think you just gotta you just gotta die and you'll figure it out or you'll find out oh you say game over everything black it says game over you wake up and you've been a fourth dimensional being this whole time (laughs) and take out the vr and you're like oh my god that game was crazy Holy shit, how long was I in? They're like five minutes. <laughs> that would be wild. Uh, it's like, uh, do you watch Rick and Morty? Yeah. It's like the Roy. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Morty, Morty does not play Roy very well. No, I'm talking blips and shits. I know Rick and Morty way too well. <laughs> what episode is it? It's where what they go to... Season two, episode nine? Yeah. <laughs> I think it's like season two, episode seven, actually. Um, oh they go to like... There's like the assassin, and mm-hmm. they like they make money, and then they go to blips and shits, and they play Roy. Oh, oh yeah, my yeah, god! Yeah, yeah. Rick's taking Roy off the grid. <laughs> he doesn't have a social security number for Roy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love I love Rick and Morty. I feel like Rick and Morty, uh, like the fact that I like Rick and Morty so much, you can just tell that I probably just had this conversation. I feel like that's a Mm-hmm. Tell us a lot about me. Sure. So, Trace, man, I know you got some big news to announce on this podcast here. What big news? Dude, you, you know, <laughs> you're launching something. Aren't you going to do something on your own here, Trace? Oh, oh, wow. Yeah. Um, I'm launching my own podcast. Boom. So, if any of the loyal Knowledge Without College uh, listeners... Do you have a name for your listeners yet? The greatest people on earth. The greatest people on earth. Yeah. Well, you know, you gotta have, you gotta have like a college gang or whatever. No, it's just who they are. They're all fantastic individuals. Word. Well, 
Yeah, I'm uh, I'm watching a podcast that's gonna be called Talking Green. Um, I thought it was gonna be Block Talk. And that's your pod. <laughs> I'll I'll produce that pod for you. I'll hop on that. Block Talk should be hilarious. It's all about how Pat um, never never leaves Burbank and just sticks to his routine, and it's just a block. <laughs> it's an Very productive block. block. But uh, but yeah, Talking Green. It's uh gonna be basically uh. Well, we work for a solar company, so it's going to be uh, kind of co-branded with our solar company. It's going to be interviews with uh, people in green tech, sustainability, um, money is green. So we'll talk like kind of all entrepreneurship, futurism. Yeah, just like the kind of future of humanity and what we're doing and the, and the people doing cool stuff around it. Did you join SunGrade for the green aspect or the tech aspect or just because it was a job? None of the above. Oh, wow. Um, I joined SunGrid, so after I got out of college, um, got that, got that piece of paper that told me I was important. Um, my mom was happy though, so that, that was good. That was a dub. Um, I was, I moved back home to, to Florida and I had like a creative agency, so I had a bunch of like clients and like I was doing fine. I was trading crypto. Um, like, but I, I just felt like a little, like I was in Gainesville and I was like, this doesn't feel like I was just bored basically. Like I was like, I would work like, it was great actually kind of looking back. I would work like three hours a day, typically at my favorite place in the world or in game. So at least lime rock, you know, the owner it's buy one, get one free happy hour from three to six Two hearted. It's my favorite beer. So I basically go to lime rock from like three to 7 PM, mm-hmm. four days a week, have like three, four IPAs, get some design work done. I trade some crypto till about 2 a.m. at night. Mm-hmm. It was a sweet little life. I was just like, it's just kind of stagnant. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I actually came out here on a road trip uh, the previous summer, uh, and I told uh, one of the one of the co-founders and, and Sean, uh, Sean Sharabi, my friend, we were staying with them, and we I hung out with SunGrade kids, and it was cool because like, everybody at SunGrade was like super ambitious and like about like about their game right and i was like this is cool like i'm surrounded by people where it's like i don't feel like i'm necessarily the most ambitious one here like everybody's trying to like make it right and so i told uh i told him i was like all right if i don't make a quarter mil with my creative agency revenue by christmas i'm gonna come come to some great knock some doors i'm glad you really failed um i did okay <laughs> sorry i did okay yeah no i did not reach that even close um but yeah so i came out because i just yeah i wanted to learn like the hardest skill in the world and like you know cubes did it elon musk did it uh like which skill are you referring to like direct sales like knocking on doors like elon I, did I, it elon did it you yeah door to door he did door to door i forget what like when he was like 16 or something um i think him and his brother did it um cubes definitely did it mark cuban um <laughs> i just said cubes twice uh Big Mark Cuban guy. Uh, yeah, what, you, no, what did you think of direct sales? Because honestly, for for you with the experience and the background that you have, mm-hmm. I think you're kind of like me in the sense that you're not naturally a salesperson. Right. Is that safe to say? Um, it depends on your definition of salesperson. Let's call it in. Yeah, because you definitely do marketing, sales, persuasion, that kind of stuff. But uh, in your face, in person, yeah, I'm at your door, sales. So Outgoing I've always been really effective at selling myself. And I've, the other thing I've been really effective at is, is, uh, 
like kind of hacking my way through things. Mm-hmm. So like when I was in college, I got money for a dumb social media start. Like I had gotten to an accelerator. I just pitched my way in, mm-hmm. right? Because I just charm like whatever, yeah, yeah. right? I knew what to say to like the right people. Yeah, sure. I got in the circle. I pitched another start. I probably raised like forty thousand dollars for different startup ideas in in college. Um, when I went back to college after I tried to drop out. I convinced the dean, uh, my guy Rob Rob Del Campo, love that guy, dean of the liberal arts school. We were launching the Innovation Academy. I convinced that guy to give me twelve credits to teach my own class, uh, my my last semester. So like my last semester of school, I taught my own entrepreneurship class and got twelve credits for it. So it allowed me to like drop out. So point is, selling kind of comes naturally. I mean, when it's me and. I like like hacking my way into systems that makes like that makes like kind of my life ideal. Sure. It's kind of exactly what I did with Sungrade too. Um, was like I came in, I did pretty well, and then I was like, all right, how do I actually make this something that's like long term sustainable for me that I'll like? And then I just kind of found my like I found my niche and then just kind of jabbed in. I was like, here's a design, here's like. And and honestly, what you did there was you because. You know, uh, like I started as a salesperson as well, you know, just doing door to door and, you know, by wedging yourself into a place where, you know, infrastructure starts to get built on top of that, Mm -hmm. you know, it creates a lot of value for your position. And then by over delivering that value, you're able to, you know, now you're in a different position than you were previously. You're able to climb your way up in a company that's been growing. Totally. We got to tell this New York Times lady. You know, wrote that article about how how to enjoy work like that. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, like you gotta you gotta do what you love. You gotta, I mean, you gotta do what you're like passionate about. I'll say I was not passionate about direct sales. Mm-hmm. Um, it was funny. I, like right before I got promoted, um, I had like because I was like I by the time I was like kind of burnt out door to door. Not like that I couldn't do it anymore. I was just like there's got to be a more effective way for me to do this personally. So I booked out like farmer's markets. I was like getting flyers printed. I like experimented with my own like digital lead generation company. And I was just like, I like burned through like 5k. And then I got the job doing what I'm doing. Like had no time to like follow up on any of that. So it was actually kind of like a net loss for like a month. (laughs) But yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I think that's a that's a great thing though. It's a good lesson for people is you know, there's not always a clear path and you may have to start by doing something that you don't necessarily want to do or maybe it's not your passion. But if it's a good, you know if you see the opening you just still go for it and, and over deliver on value to try to create a situation that works for you. Right. You gotta find you gotta find the opportunities, you gotta find your timing. Yeah. And um, I mean that really comes down to one thing that I noticed and this is what I you know how I eventually ended up here was working for startup companies because yeah. we talked about that theoretical person that's working for AT and T trying to hustle. Right. They can't. They can hustle all they want. They're not gonna. Right. You know, it's unlikely they're gonna make a big splash in a, in a company with. Right. What they'll they get, they'll get a promotion. They'll get a three percent raise. Yeah. Like you know, oh, I mean, you're just job. one of of tens of thousands of employees. Right. No one cares. Nothing you can do. So for somebody who, you know, is trying to have a position that maybe more in line with their passions and something that they want to they could actually run with for a while and not feel like they're working really hard you know just because or not feel like the work is draining them or killing them or or 
you know, it's overall like a negative experience or to have that positive experience at work that you got to work for a place where you can express your skills in a way that will actually carry enough value to be recognized for it. I could not have put it better myself. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> Boom. don't do things you hate doing. If you wake up on Tuesday and you're like, oh my God, only four days till the weekend. If you live for the weekends, like you're kind of doing, you're kind of doing 2019 wrong. Not yeah. that I don't like the weekends. I'm like, I'm not doing anything but watching the Super Bowl on Sunday. But if you hate your life, yeah, every Monday through Friday, and you right. only enjoy yourself on the weekend, that's a like you, that's a yeah, problem. you got a problem. Like, what about do you have friends back home that are still doing that kind of stuff? Um, so sort of, but like, I don't have really any friends that have like corporate jobs they mm-hmm. hate i have friends that like haven't started a career yet per mm-hmm. se so they're like enjoying themselves but they're like working at a coffee shop or they're like they want to do more they're not like stable they might live with their parents type thing yeah um i don't have a lot of like i don't have a single friend that i can point to that's like uh he's like a wage cuck that lives for friday yeah yeah um which is probably good like a lot of my friends like even like they're they're artists honestly they're like trying to like mm-hmm. i have friends that have a really sick clothing brand that's like starting to take off uh musician friends uh you know um my my most wage cuck friend works at google <laughs> but like that's not that's not google's sweet he and he likes working at google mm-hmm. so i think he's about to join a project loom maybe what's that it's a it's google's like a it's basically weather balloons that have are Wi-Fi enabled. Oh, okay. Like, so you don't need like infrastructure to like get Via Wi-Fi. Wi-Fi. Yeah, yeah. Which which would be sweet because he'd be like jet setting, like and just going to like countries and just selling to like whatever whatever department of a country you you're you know you sell Google Tele- Wi-Fi enabled. Yeah, whatever too. that is. Yeah. Wow. Um, <laughs> it's pretty cool. Yeah, it is. That is cool. Um, I think I could do that. Um, yeah, man. I don't know. You trying to do like a takeaway for your for your listeners at the end of this? Yeah, I think we've got a bunch of takeaways. Yeah. But usually, how I wrap up, I ask, uh, you know, are there any any asks or requests for the audience? Any final words you want to leave them with? Yeah. Uh, don't do things you hate, um, but work hard to get to a place where you can be doing things that you love doing. Um, it doesn't it's not gonna come like week one like there's a lot of like grit like you gotta be determined like you gotta grind like you're not gonna love every day of work Mm -hmm. but like if you put the work in like you'll get to a place where like you're having fun and you get to interface like fun people like i i love what i do now i think that's the biggest thing you gotta be around the right people definitely yeah who you surround yourself with that's like an old adage like everybody says that it's so true yeah it's so true um yes yeah, it's it, like it's all about who you know is a really like funny true statement i love that i just moved to la and i'm like it's all about who you know bro. <laughs> um shoot though like i'm i'm trying to not wait in line when i go to wally's like, yeah i'm trying to get a two-hour wait to two minutes to happen this weekend it was great shout out my guy zane <laughs>
That's all I got. That's good goals. All right, man. Well, <laughs> hey, Trace, it's been a real uh, honor having you on the show here. I'm, we'll have to have you back on again. I feel like we've talked for hours on end. Yep. And for everybody listening, where can they they can find you at Trace in LA? Trace in LA on Instagram. On Instagram and everywhere else. Um, I'm pretty much Instagram only. Instagram I, I only. I don't really update other things. All right, and the new podcast is called Talking Green. Talking Green. And who's the first guest? Patrick Butler. That's right. All right, Trace. Thank you so much. Thanks, man. This was fun. All right. Thanks so much for listening. If you enjoyed that episode, please hit the subscribe button and follow us on Instagram and Twitter. You can find us on Twitter at KWC pod on Instagram at knowledge without college podcast. You can find me Patrick Butler at Patrick Butler zero zero on Instagram and Twitter. I encourage you to send over any feedback you have. If there's any guests you'd like to hear on the show, any topics you'd want to hear discussed. I want to know about it. I want to hear your feedback and opinions. So please, Help me make this a better experience for you. And I look forward to hearing from you. Have an excellent day and thanks for listening.